and gentlemen in the IoT. This is Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors, and I am your host, Ken Briota. Thank you so much, all of you, for joining me today. Uh, we've got a really exciting uh, episode planned for you, but before we get started, I want to remind those of you out there listening to mash that subscribe button. If you enjoy this episode you're about to listen to, or you've been listening to our uh, last bunch of episodes, it's really helpful to us if you subscribe so you don't miss future episodes, and so that your favorite uh, podcasting platform uh, knows that there are some folks out there who love our show and want to keep hearing it, so they help promote us a little bit and we get more and more earballs on uh, Real World IoT. So make sure that you hit that subscribe button, and if you do like this episode, please leave us a rating or review. If you're uh, listening to us on SoundCloud or Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite podcasts are given away for free, all of them give you an opportunity to either give us a number of stars or thumbs up or whatever their mechanism is, or write a review, and we'd love to have you do that. Uh, those, again, help us raise our profile and give us some feedback so we know what you want to hear more of and uh, what you like about the show. So I invite you all to please do that. But that, I think, is enough gilding of the lily. Uh, I'm very excited to have as my guests today Ron and David of Global Star, and we're going to be talking a little bit about satellite connectivity, saving the world with IoT, uh, maybe a little bit about some asset tracking, and, and a bunch of fun stuff. So welcome to the show, Ron and Dave. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks for having me. Really great to have both of you guys. Now, if uh, somehow um, some of my listeners are not familiar with either of you two personally as celebrities in the IoT or with Global Star, uh, why, don't, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of sense of your background and, and uh, a little bit about uh, what Global Star does in the day-to-day. Uh, Ron, why don't you get us started? Fantastic. Thanks, Ken. I, uh, I'm a FCC-licensed technician for, uh, from the marine industry. I, uh, I've spent over 25 years in the communications business, and I'm based on the Oregon coast. And uh, uh, we all do love ourselves some uh, northern rainforest. Where I live uh, in New England, we've clearly decided to become that ourselves, judging by the weather over the summer. Uh, it has been. Uh, I'm hoping that we go with uh, with northeastern rainforest rather than Florida swamp, but that remains to be seen. Um, what about you, Dave? Uh, what's your uh, What's your story? Uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, kind of a, a diverse background. I've been a facility technician uh, in the telecom world. I've uh, stepped into sales, done a lot of cloud services, which uh, has kind of lended itself to the IoT space, right, to, to understand how you remotely connect uh, users' uh, data and how you, uh, you know, uh, extrapolate the information you need out of it. Um, so it's, 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 been a, it's been a good background piece for me to have. Uh, I'm based over here at the headquarters in uh, Covington, Louisiana, just north of New Orleans, and uh, pretty much born and raised New Orleans guy. So uh, glad to be on the show. Thank you for having us. Uh, I love that city so much. But none of those stories are appropriate for uh, this podcast. <laughs> Probably not. You'll have to find me at an event, and uh, I'll be happily tell you any number of those stories. Um, but to jump right in, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the, the work that you guys have been doing with Global Star. Um, I'm, I'm interested in, in digging into some of the case studies that, that you have uh, ready to, to tell us about. But let's start with sort of the, the overarching mission what what's the the core business for global star and and um, how is it that you're uh, that you're working to as we've said uh, save some lives hey, Ken, I think the first thing we probably ought to, ought to note uh, is global star has now uh, crested six thousand rescues to date mm-hmm. and on average those rescues are more than uh, uh, two 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 people so it's um 
it, it's oh, heartwarming rescues. to know that we have <laughs> saved, saved people. Yes, our well, network. I mean, uh, puppy rescuing is, is also a valuable and important uh, job. I just want to make sure we're clear. <laughs> we should check the demographics on that. Absolutely. <laughs> so you said six thousand. Yeah, I think people are more concerned. Yeah, with more. I think people are more concerned with the puppies sometimes, for sure. Well, you know, Absolutely. it's uh, in the arms of a stranger. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, in what kind of situations are, are these rescues rescuing happening? Out in the wilderness, fire. Uh, what's the general usual situation? I've met a, uh, about 15 people that we've rescued, and all the stories are a little different, but they, there is a, um, you know, a common theme that they certainly weren't expecting to, to, to need their device that day. Um, <laughs> from a, from a, a, a person that came across another person in an uh, emergency situation to someone who knew they were, you know, they were hiking in, uh, in a kind of a, a severe wel- uh, wilderness and, mm-hmm. and found themselves in that situation where without some mechanism to tell people they were in trouble and where they were, you know, the, the likelihood of them being rescued um, was pretty slim. Uh, the best story I ever had is I spoke to a pilot who had, uh, he had crashed out of Alaska, and he'd crashed near a, near a river. His uh, ELT had gone off and it alerted uh, the rescue agencies that, he, you know, he had, he had an impact. But based on the location that device provided, uh, they thought he was dead. They thought he had crashed in the water. And so um, it wasn't until he activated his spot device to let them know that he was still actually alive that it really alerted the emergency personnel. So uh, pretty neat story. Wow, that's, uh, that, that's incredible. It also sounds a little bit like, I don't know if you guys are, are James Bond fans, but I am, and uh, there's a Submariner uh, watch that's, that's famous for having a, a tracking device in it that you can activate mm-hmm. Uh, on the side, and there's something like a $500,000 fine for doing so accidentally or uh, when you're not actually in danger and probably the cost when you are because it mobilizes the National Guard or something. But um, but th- that I, I've now decided that I have the unshakable impression that you guys are creating, uh, you basically have a Q-Lab somewhere and you're creating uh, uh, James Bond-style devices. Is that an approximately correct uh, representation of Global Star's core business? I believe he's referring to Chris Gray in our company. Yes, we, we have our own special queue. And uh, uh, pretty unique. That's that's awesome. Uh, I expect my jetpack any day now. Um, yep. So let's uh, let's get down to the sort of uh, brass tacks of of how the the mechanisms that allow you to do these rescues, that do your your asset tracking, and and what uh, what the technology is. Mm-hmm. And real quick too, Ken, and, and kind of the, the technology is wonderful, and we're, we're really, we're really kind of excited about it because we're 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 a one of a kind organization when it comes to our technology. But I think you know Ron hit a great point, and I think when you look at IoT and what you're trying to connect and, and meshing all those nodes, uh, not many of them are in ideal locations. Uh, you know, hence the, the, the buzz about it, right? You know, connecting things that were never connected before. And so many times people are thinking about the, the data and the, the, the SCADA and the, 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 the actual hardware, and they forget that a lot of times all these things have to be serviced and taken care of. And like Ron pointed out, in, in terms of our, our rescues and our, our stories that we tell and we kind of pass along to people, uh, most of them did not expect to be rescued. 
mute or have to need their device. And uh, it could be anything. And the Mother Nature kind of constantly reminds us that as much as we're, we're busy planning, life happens. And uh, so, I mean, I think that's a, it's a, it's a real important thing to think about when you're, these organizations are, are thinking about IoT and thinking about connecting their mechanisms and improving their, their efficiencies. Um, you know, just realize the effectiveness of the people in those systems is going to be really important to connect them back. Um, but uh, in terms of how we connect, it, it's ideal for businesses, and especially in IoT. Um, we are one user, one satellite, one ground station. Uh, we limit latency. Uh, we keep things uh, within, within uh, the business parameters of what they expect, uh, uh, remote desktop capabilities, VPN capabilities. Those things are achievable in our network where no one else inside of the low-Earth orbiting is, is offering that. So well, um, I, in, in terms of... I don't want to interrupt you, but I've, I've got to touch on that a little bit deeper, the, the latency. Yeah, go ahead. Because when you're talking about satellite, you know, that's one of the first things that, that people talk about. Sure, satellite's fine if you're really remote, and it doesn't matter how long it takes to do the thing, um, because everybody assumes that sat, satellite is going to be a lot of latency. It's going to take a long time to mm-hmm. do this data transfer. Um, it, it sounds like you're saying that that's not necessarily true for you guys, and, and what kind of uh, ballpark... Uh, latency figures can we can we talk about, and how do you achieve the, uh, better rates than some of your other folks out there doing satellite? But, yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Ron. I think the yeah the to, we probably ought to talk about the way the network's designed. So, yeah, Star has a, a constellation of moving satellites that uh, you know the first satellite was launched in 1998. Um, that constellation is about 850 miles above the Earth. Um, and is moving at about 17,000 miles per hour. But that's substantially different than maybe the, the satellite dish that somebody's familiar with that's communicating to a satellite that's 22,000 miles away. That's where that, that term of latency really, or the, the effects of latency have become the most apparent. Is it takes a lot longer, obviously, to travel sure. 22,000 miles instead of 850. Um, the second thing is our, our, our network transmits back to the ground. So each satellite that receives the signal is relaying that, that signal right back down to the Earth station on the ground. Mm-hmm. And so it's the shortest path. Um, there really are, th- are three substantial carriers in the business in this, you know, in the, uh, in the voice world. I, it, you, when you get down to IoT, there's some, there's some new players, but um, you've got Iridium Global Star and uh, Inmarsat, uh, several different products, but um, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Global Star is the only one that uses what we refer to as bent pipe technology, which really is the the fastest relay of information from the ground up to the space segment and then back down to our, our standard gateways. And then we have a large network of gateways around the world that provide that uh, transport and connectivity back into the public switch telephone network. What kind of uh, satellite constellation are you guys uh, floating at the moment? Or can you not say? <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's interesting. So, so all of our satellites in in orbit are still carrying simplex traffic, uh, to my knowledge. I, I guess I haven't asked the engineers lately, but uh, um, I, I want to say there's more than 80 satellites in the sky that are, are Global Star related, um, and so those all of those satellites uh, can receive a broadcast. Um, some of the oldest satellites are no longer capable of transmitting. Sure. All right. Um, sorry for that little sideline, but I wanted to dig into that because that's uh, an important issue that some of the, the listeners are going to be concerned about, I think, uh, as they if they're considering a uh, satellite. Um, I want to sort of pivot into some of the use cases 
as, as exciting and, and cool as the sort of human rescue stuff is, uh, that's not a, a business case that most uh, folks are going to run into. Um, so mm-hmm. let's talk about some of the, the broader cases. Um, what are some of your clients working on uh, using, using this kind of uh, uh, connectivity? I mean, honestly, right. it's it, it, it's kind of a it, it's really kind of a, a, a kind of need at the moment right now. So, I mean, when you look at each vertical, they each have some different needs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think some of the some of the keys are, you know, first, you know, what do we have, right? Uh, just just asset and operational awareness is kind of almost the first thing. And, and I know that may not necessarily kind of be uh, kind of the checklist for IoT, but, I mean, it's really kind of the first thing. Like, okay, what do we have? Where is it? What is it, what is it accomplishing for us, right? Um, then you start to get into, uh, you know, the, the, the data it's giving back, maintenance logs, uh, firmware adjustments, uh, you know, sensor testing, all the different things that go on in that world. So, so really it kind of is directed by the vertical. You know, they're, they're dictating to us what they need, um, you know, whether it's, it's people, you know, where are my people? What are they doing? Are they checking in? Have they been on the job too long? Why are they still in that place? You know, is something wrong with them? Do we need to contact them? Um, or if it's their equipment. So it, it's really for, for, for Ron and, the, uh, and myself and the rest of the RSM team, uh, 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 Todd West and, and Claudia Smith, um, we, we all have to kind of sit down and kind of put on our, our sleuth hats, right? And, and really understand uh, almost kind of like a, a, a kind of a, a marketing, uh, you know, uh, role in the sense of understanding their need um, and then taking our product, which, as, as Ron laid out, is ideal for businesses uh, and kind of whiteboarding out what we can do uh, and helping them kind of cross the gaps. And a lot of it starts with some proof of concepts. And uh, we're very confident that we're, we're going to achieve those proof of concepts. And, and I think that's a, it's a great place to start for most businesses that reach out to us. Sure. Um, now, uh, here I think we on, ought to on, mention. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Ken. Yeah. I think we ought to mention, you know, the products that we're really talking about. You know, Global Star has three key devices. Um, the newest mm-hmm. being the Spot X, which is the first uh, true two-way tech uh, messaging device that we um, uh, have have created. It has a, a standard uh, QWERTY keypad, a paper white screen, a long battery life, but it, it transmits and receives over our satellite constellation. So coverage well beyond where a cellular uh, device uh, or any other radio-based device can can reach and mm-hmm. still connect mm-hmm. to the, the standard interoperability of a telephone. But along with that, we have the Spot Trace, which is an asset tracking device. Um, it's not intended for life-saving, but it uh, uh, detects motion and reports its position and can do that as fast as every two and a half minutes. And then you have the Spot Gen 3, which is a, a kind of a blend of the two. So it has a true SOS function reports to a company called Geos in, in an emergency situation, but along with that, it has buttons to drop electronic breadcrumbs as fast as every two and a half minutes, detect motion, and then three message keys that can send a canned message. And that message can be changed from time to time, but just does require a quick connection to a PC. So in many of the instances, I, I, the best one I can think of is a property appraisal company that um, mm-hmm. uh, provides that device as a um, not only an insurance policy to their customers and really when you these these devices are so inexpensive you know we're talking about a product that's under two hundred dollars and 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 around two hundred dollars a year for a continuous service um that works out to less than a dollar a day when you first buy the device and le- around 65 to 70 cents a day 
for the following year of service. Yeah. Uh, but they use the devices to, to check in and check out, um, like David mentioned, uh, just to make sure that they're still moving if they're supposed to be. And then, uh, the, you know, assets, it, 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 repeatedly I hear the stories about folks saying, hey, you know, that equipment was supposed to move three days ago and it ha- still hasn't moved. Or, you know, we, we have so much stuff, we don't know where that device is. And so mm-hmm. these devices report to them, you know, uh, if, over our network and then finally through the Internet to our website or our app uh, to create an automatic log of, of where these things have been and if they've moved. So it creates a just a very simple hands-off, set-and-forget uh, yeah. process to help improve efficiency. I will say this. Uh, you, unfortunately, have yet again, uh, like everyone else in the asset or, or people tracking business, disappointed me by not naming your product Hansel and Gretel. Uh, we're going to drop breadcrumbs. It's just it's right there, and no one's used it. It's very frustrating. Um, so true. Uh, <laughs> but uh, here on on Real World IoT, our our mission is to uh, uh, take off the veneer and look at the the real meat of of what's going on. So I've got to I've got to ask you a couple of the hard questions. Uh, what are some of the challenges, and 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 what are some of the things you can't do? Uh, where are the where are the are the pieces that that you know a, a person who doesn't know about you is just learning about you for the first time should also be considering from that side. Well, first thing is too, and it, Ron was was hitting right on it, right, and that is culture. You got to realize when you start to look at okay, we want to go and gather more information. We want more operational awareness. Uh, we want to know where our folks are and make sure that they're safe. We want the skate information. You need to plan for this in your culture, and that's something we also have to do, kind of take our consulting hat and put it on, too, outside of our sleuthing hat. And we have to, to help organizations realize best practices, uh, you know, because it's information overload at that point in time. You're going from not knowing much of anything to knowing way more than you, you probably need to know. So I think the first step that, that organizations need to overcome is culture, right? You have to understand, you know, how are your people going to check in? What nodes are more important? What do you need to know? Um, are you trying to cut down on truck rolls and maintenance times? Are you trying to create, you know, just efficiencies with firmware updates? What, do you, what are you trying to accomplish? And all that is a culture conversation. Um, so that's usually the first thing that starts to trip up organizations. Um, so that's, that's definitely something they, they, they definitely want to get to. But, but, but realize, too, the first thing is we are an open sky organization, right? We, we are there when, when uh, you know, you, you are out in the middle of nowhere. That's, that's the, the, the niche we want to fit for, for those organizations. We, we don't need to usurp cellular, and uh, especially with 5G and everything rolling out and the, the whole, you know, buzz around that process. But we blend very well with it, and there's nothing worse than, you know, uh, n- no cellular activity than uh, some cellular activity, right? So when it's spotty, when it's iffy, that's more painful than anything. So uh, I think, you know, those are the two key things. You know, we are an open sky, and uh, we, we definitely need to, to help organizations, uh, you know, discuss the, the culture piece. Do you guys worry much? Have- uh, sorry, do you, do you worry much about sort of uh, things that Google keeps threatening to do, like, uh, you know, Wi-Fi everywhere, satellite networks, and, you know, these sort of yes. uh, yep. unlikely blue sky things that are probably mm-hmm. 25 years away, but, like, who knows? Yep. You know, it's, it's does, amazing yeah. that, does that affect you guys if they actually started executing something like that? I think it's amazing yeah. the speed yeah. that that technology is moving today. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. certainly interesting. We're all, we're all watching, you know, Elon Musk has made it, uh, uh, has been a very disruptive technology to, to uh, shake down two substantial powerhouse industries and, and be able to 
you know, uh, uh, not only compete, but really redefine that, that, uh, that segment. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, Global Stars Constellation is uh, uh, mature and um, experienced. Uh, it provides a very, very cost-effective platform. And I think it's going to be a while before anybody can, can really shake that down. Oh. Um, you know, the, just in comparisons with our competitors, you know, our, our replacement of our constellation that happened uh, uh, from 2008 to 2013 um, was 10 times less expensive than, you know, our competitor who's currently replacing their, their satellites. So mm-hmm. those costs continue to grow, obviously, with, you know, the cost of, of uh, qualified staff and, and the, the technology itself. It's, it's Certain things are getting less expensive, but there's still a moving forward cost. So I think we're very secure in that piece of it. At a certain point, there's a there's you know if if I understand correctly, there's a fixed cost per pound to lift things off the earth and put them in the sky. So like you know at a certain point, if you're going lighter, then you're spending less, and if you're going lower, you're spending less. If I understand the the math of that sort of calculus. Um, so you guys seem to have uh, have picked up an edge by by working in lower orbit than uh, than mm-hmm. some of the other folks, and uh, uh, perhaps working with a a smaller uh, size types you know satellite. Um, that compares the that does compare the kind of the the technology or the, the definition behind the lower satellites versus a a geostationary satellite, and that's that. We come into view, so we're able to cover areas that you couldn't cover. Uh, for instance, uh, everybody's, many people have gone through this when you're locating the satellite dish on the side of your house. Mm-hmm. Oh, it won't go there because it can't see over the trees. So instead of having to hit a fixed point, we're passing over your head. And then by being close to the Earth, we allow you to use a much smaller uh, omnidirectional antenna instead of having to yep. aim and focus the dish. Right, and and it sort of uh, skips as they rotate, right? The 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 local antenna will... Pick the nearest satellite and just skip mm-hmm. each one as it as it needs to, right? Yeah, it's pretty amazing to to, to visit our Earth stations. I was up in our at our Earth station in Wasilla, Alaska, a couple of years ago, and it's a 19 foot dish inside of a soccer ball shaped dome. And to watch that, you know, our, our constellation moves from the west to the east, and so you can you can barely see that dish move as it as it tracks a satellite across the sky, which takes about 15 minutes if it goes right over your head. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it gets to the easternmost point, that satellite move that big 19 foot dish whips back over to the to the western view and picks up the next satellite. So, pretty pretty impressive technology to watch in action. So the satellites are moving uh, spaced approximately horizon to horizon, give or take. <laughs> Maybe a little less. They're equally. Yeah, yeah uh, a few years ago, uh, we did make an adjustment to our constellation to better uh, position uh, the newest satellites um, to make sure it was a, a pretty even coverage. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, mathing in my head puts us at about, what, 15 degrees apiece, something like that, uh, of separation between each one, right? Um, so let's let's sort of get back down to the ground, if we can. Um, as we as we get uh, sort of dig into the the meat here, because I'm going to talk about uh, if you if you want to, uh, I'd love to hear about one of your uh, sort of case studies and, and one of your specific cases where uh, sort of maybe an industrial client um, is is using your technology to uh, to meet some business goals and and maybe uh, you know make a little money. 
got a good one. Um, M Better's Construction is uh, uh, one of our one of our good case studies. They're a, a multi-state construction company, and they use the trace device um, to track the status and the location of their heavy equipment. Uh, it, clearly, when you have a lot of uh, you know, construction equipment, oftentimes that may be left behind at a job. It may be um, you may be trying to time the 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 end of the job to the, the other location. And then on top of that, because it's a large organization, the, the hierarchy of view, so maybe you don't want everybody in the company to know where all your assets are. And Global Star offers, a, and, and on our Find Me Spot website, offers the ability to, to share locations by device. So you can create a shared page that, that brings just a few of those devices and allows a, you know, a particular segment of your company to, to keep an eye on those while those that, that have to make the, the largest decisions can take a look at the entire um, view. But that, uh, that allows them to make sure that equipment's working every day, it creates a, an automated log, and it also allows them to detect theft very quickly. If it happens to be a weekend or they know that job is shut down and that equipment starts to move, after 30 seconds, you're alerted. And so they have the ability to respond very quickly to a potentially uh, costly situation. Which is great because uh, nobody's ever had much luck with a high-speed chase in a backhoe. You know, they're, they're, they're a lot of fun to drive, but not super fast. <laughs> <laughs> they're a rough ride, too. Um, so uh, in terms of sort of negotiating, because the, the downtime question is always a, a big one. Everybody thinks of it in terms of manufacturing, um, but in a fleet management situation, which is basically what you're describing here, uh, it's a fleet of construction equipment, but still, um, that also matters because the, if those, if that equipment is sitting either at a previous site waiting to go to the next site or, uh, or waiting for a job to be ready to start, you're losing time, you're losing money, you're, you've got workers waiting, presumably. Um, so how does the ability to, to keep in contact with that machinery help you improve your scheduling, basically, and improve your management of equipment moving from point A to point B in a more efficient way? Well, you've got the, the movement piece, uh, you know, you mentioned, but, but in terms of the, the dollars and cents and how it uh, can, can lay out for an organization is, one, if you've got, uh, you know, if you're out in the Permian Basin and you're in midstream and you have some retention ponds out there and you've got some pumps working those, those uh, retention ponds and, uh, you know, you don't know what that organization is doing. They've rented your, your pump and your equipment and your lights and you're not quite sure what's going on, but, you know, you don't necessarily want to run somebody out to Pecos every day from, from Midland, Odessa area. And um, so to be able to know how many run hours that, that pump has on it before you need to go out and change the oil filter, uh, just do some basic maintenance on the unit to keep it functioning properly is really key. Uh, and also, if you know if something's, uh, like you said, just kind of sitting idle on the job site, you can reach out. Uh, it's a great value add to your customers. Say, hey, look, you know, we, we noticed the pump hasn't been running. Uh, have you all pulled off that site yet? Yeah, we sure have. Well, well look, you know, uh, I, I don't mind kind of working with you a little bit. You know, let's uh, get that pulled off. Uh, maybe get it to a location that could use some, some extra hands or, or you can get it off and get it making money for you somewhere else as well. So um, I think it, it, it kind of goes, you know, a little bit, you know, know 
before the, the, the moving it around piece is to just kind of let you know truck rolls, maintenance times, uh, if it's working for you, if it's not working for you. And then like Ron said, did it leave the job site without anybody else really taking it off? So. <laughs> Um, I think that's key uh, as well, but just knowing where your trucks are. I mean, just knowing where your folks are, uh, what job sites they're on, um, you know, understanding, you know, wait, why are they on that job site? And then you can reach out to a supervisor or a crew leader and you can, you can find out the, and understand what happened with, you know, hey, something broke, something, you know, something broke down. Somebody wanted to add some more lights uh, to the job site or they wanted a pressure washer. You know, these are just kind of, you know, very, you know, mundane daily chores, but just uh, to, to have that awareness and understand how your, your crews are being run, I think, is, is, is an asset for, for kind of that, that uh, executive officer level as well. Sure. And, and you know, one of the, the great sort of nascent advantages of IoT in general is the, the new monetization models and, and new profit models that yep. come beyond efficiency, which is great, and sort of, I think, where we're at and what we're working on uh, in a broad sense in the industry um, but in terms of, of new monetization models, things like, uh, uh, you know, you have this unused piece, how about we work on a way to use that for you? And so you've increased mm-hmm. your, your customer's spend by virtue, without virtue of, uh, additional spend on your part, just by having additional data. So that's, uh, yep. that's a huge advantage. Um, as we're getting low on, on time here, I'd, I, I want to sort of open the floor to you gentlemen. Uh, what haven't we talked about yet that's important for my listeners to know about, uh, uh, you know, low orbit satellite connectivity or uh, uh, the, uh, you know, the asset tracking stuff you guys are doing or, or about uh, Global Star? I think the key key one too is the flexibility we offer. You know, we, we, we we're very scalable. When you look at our product portfolio, you know, we're able to help you track your folks, help you to, to manage communication with those folks, uh, help you to manage communication with your 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 assets, your your uh, your your hardware, uh, your facilities. Um, but then we also then go into the the you know voice and data side where we can allow true two way, true remote, true real time, uh, you know, connectivity. Um, and you can layer that in, right? You know, you can take some of our devices to handle the daily mundane, I'm here, this is what I'm doing, everything's great, and maintain a budget. But then, you know, when, when the, the fires happen and it, it's time to do something, you can get right into those systems, you can see what's going on, you can, you can operate it real time, you can take an image, is, you know, is the, temp, is the sensor gauge uh, correct or is it not right? You know, before you roll a truck and get it out there, you can save money. Um, and ultimately, at the end of the day, you can save lives, you know, with our stuff. So um, I think those are the key things I just, I definitely want to get across. Ron, I, I know you have some, some great insight. Well, I, I think we ought to mention that we deliver our information, you know, to several different mechanisms. So not only do you have the ability to send this information back out to, to, uh, to another cell phone, or, um, but, we're, but we do report this information to the web. Um, we have a, an application for your phone, we have a, a website where you can create shared pages and transmit that information to another centralizing uh, solution. And uh, we will be introducing uh, later this year, we actually have an enterprise-level solution that helps allow an agency to simply implement some larger um, management of this stuff without having to reinvent the wheel. You know, they'll have, have, a, have a platform designed to geofence and work on least cost routing. Um, you know, one of the things that we didn't really mention that we were talking about here when we're talking about making money on this is, you know, a larger construction agency may, may have, or construction company may have a, a 
two bulldozers. One is, you know, seven hours from the job. The other one's two hours from the job. It could be an emergency or it could just be a, a value issue um, to be able to, to, to look at a glance and go, okay, here's what we need to do. Here's where these things are. And to bring all that information to a single office instead of having to communicate with each region and having to deal with that. You can bring all that information right to the to the top folks that can make the smartest decision um, and then export that information into yours, into their system. So these these devices all create an electronic log so that you can backtrack and figure out why did this job cost so much or what did we do right and wrong. Those records are there. You know, it's, it's, it's just the old wisdom. With better strategic information, you can make better tactical decisions. And uh, I think that uh, the solutions like the, the one that you're offering for, for constant connectivity, even in remote areas, really... Uh, aids that aids that mission for for companies that need to work there where can folks find out more about uh global star out on the worldwide interwebs global star has two websites uh findmespot.com and globalstar.com all right and uh those will of course go into the show notes um folks out there who've been listening to uh, real world iot powered by 151 advisors uh make sure you check out uh, 151advisors.com uh, to uh, figure out how uh, 151 can help you monetize your business and, and maybe even partner up with great companies like Global Star. Uh, you can find them on, uh, on, on the web at 151advisors.com or on Twitter at 151advisors. Thank you so much, Global Star, for being my guest today. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Ken. It's been a real pleasure, uh, really great discussion, so I appreciate you joining me. Folks out there listening, I have been Ken Briota, your host here on Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advice. Well, folks, thank you for listening to this episode of Real World IoT, powered by 151 Advisors. Make sure you go online to check out more content on how you can monetize the connected world at 151advisors.com. That's 151advisors.com for all the information and content like this podcast that will help you power your business and monetize your business into the next phase of the IoT. Thank you again for listening to Real World IoT. IoT powered by 151 Advisors. I am your host, Ken Briota, signing off. See you next time.